And these two started circling me and jumping at me and calling me a lesbian and calling me like all sorts of like like really homophobic slurs. And, and like, Brittany says, back, I know, but hey! Yeah, exactly. And when looking back, y'all were like half right, but like that's not the point. Hello and welcome to our Stranger Things podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 24-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the 100 script on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And if I were to find anybody in the Upside Down... See, that was our fun fact, but it's like there's so much... There's so many variables to who my answer would be, you know? Is it like is it somebody who is in trouble... Okay. Is it somebody who I've been like trying to find, or am I just like someone a that you deem to be unreachable to you forever? Right, but they also can't really hear. They can't hear from you. You know, like you just kind of are, are like with them. Yeah, so like someone like you'd want to like spend a day in the life with. Gotcha. I think so. We just took a very long pause because there were a lot of sirens happening in the background, potentially still going. Um, but I was able to do some thinking during the 30 seconds we were waiting and I think that my choice has been like um whenever I miss my uh my my dad I will go visit my dad that was gonna be my answer but about my mom well like I would pick my mom but I'll, but my dad he he drives buses he's a transit driver mm-hmm. and I feel like he doesn't see like he's just kind of by himself a lot mm-hmm like, not necessarily by himself because he is, like, surrounded by people. No one talks to him. But also, not everybody treats bus drivers with the respect that they deserve. Yeah, if someone's wor- doing a job that you're, like, that is a public service, be nice to them. So even if he couldn't hear from me, I would like to see just to make sure he's doing okay, you know? Mm-hmm. Not that my dad doesn't, like, take care of himself because he's, like, 6'4", and, <laughs> like, if there are, like, annoying children on his bus, like, you, you can bet he's, like... And by children, I mean teens. He's not kicking off any children. But, like, um, if there are any people who are, like, being disrespectful and bad, he has, like, no problem, like, going and, like, telling them to get the heck out. But, I don't know, I just like to make sure he's doing okay, you know? Yeah. That's nice. That's my guy. Yeah. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 29-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, B.C., I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Appertania, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And if I could visit anyone because you did a parent, I'm going to do um, a celebrity. Okay. I always, I always like, in my daily life, do wonder what Julie Andrews is up to at any given time. Cool. So I think I would visit Julie Andrews. Like, there's so much. Like, they were trying to get Eleven to do her powers, like, for evil. Mm-hmm. And there's so much evil that you could do with them. The implications are training her to be basically, like, a Russian spy, right? Yeah. Or to spy on the Russians. So, like, she is a brilliant, like, spy device. You could use her to spy on literally anyone. Yeah. But you could also use her to get, like, lottery numbers. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was thinking that that it's, like, there are some really, really, really bad stuff that she could be doing. Yeah. You know, like, if somebody's in, like, a, um, if they're, not the word, what, what's the opposite of a hostage? Like, someone's being, um, like, taken in secretly because they're on the run or something. You know what I mean? Like, witness protection? Yeah, something like that. Like, there are people being, like, hidden away. Like, hiding from, like, the evil government. Mm-hmm. She could just find them and know where they are. Which is, like, horrible, terrible, bad things are gonna happen to them. But on the other side of just, like, slightly evil, she could also, um, the paparazzi could be like, hmm, wonder what Justin Bieber's doing today. And she'd be like, let me check to find out where Justin Bieber is. Yo, that would be hilarious. would be like, what's, uh, yeah, what's Justin Bieber up to? And yeah, what's like, the Biebs doing like, today? Like, why do you want to know? Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, today we have words to say about episode 107 of Stranger Things, The Bathtub. I mean, okay. <laughs> it, it's well named. Yeah, there's a fun fact about um, the naming of this episode later okay. when we get to the fun fact section. Um, this episode will contain spoilers for the entirety of seasons one and two of Stranger Things. So um, make sure you've seen those before you uh, before you listen to this because there'll be spoilers. Yeah. But not season three yet because that's coming out. Because it hasn't aired here. Super soon. Well, here, I mean, at all. It hasn't yeah. aired at all. Yeah. But if you guys have any thoughts that you want on the finale of season one episode, um, like about season three or about anything that we've said in season one slash thoughts on season two, um, make sure you tweet us or email us at affectionatospodcast at gmail.com so that we can talk about it for the next episode, which is the final episode of season one. Oh my god. Time flies. So exciting. All right. So uh, usually we would split this up into um, the different storylines, mm -hmm. but all the storylines really converge this episode. And so like, I think even next episode, there are like separate storylines. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, it's just, this one is very integrated. Yeah. But this one is very, very integrated. So um, I've actually split it up just into quarters mm -hmm. because I'm doing a summary, obviously. Um, but I didn't want to do like a really, really, really long summary of all the full whole episode. Yeah, we would episode. lose our places. So I just, I split it in, into quarters. Yeah. Um, all right. So this is the first quarter. Mike helps Eleven take off her makeup and tells her that she is still pretty. They have a moment, but it is interrupted by Dustin. Lucas is on the radio, but he's too far away for them to understand. He's trying to warn them about the bad men who are on their way right now. Mike tries to warn his mom, but she's on the phone. They run away on bikes, chased by Brenner and co. in their vans. Lucas catches up to them, and Eleven flips a van with her mind. Hell yeah! It's dope. They make it to the junkyard, and Lucas and Elle apologize to each other. Lucas also makes up with Mike, so everything is right again, just for everything to go wrong. <sighs> Jopper make it to the police station and confront Nancy and Jonathan, seeing the hardcore stuff he had in his trunk. Meanwhile, Karen goes downstairs for the first time in her life and, disco <laughs> and discovers where Eleven was living. The government shows up at the Wheeler's door, asking to look around. Karen and Ted have never seen Eleven and are worried about Mike and Nancy. Brenner assures them that they will save their children. So, the first thing that I want to talk about, because you were laughing when we were watching it, Karen has never been down in her own basement. Karen. Like, like I super respect moms being like, I'm not going down in the basement, that's Mike's space, yeah. you know? Um... First of all, Mike has his own floor of the building. Okay. I think it's more like it's the kids' space and, yeah. like, I don't want to deal with the mess that they already have down there sort of thing. Right, but Holly doesn't go down there and Nancy doesn't go down there. Like, it's yeah. really just Mike's space. And, you know, obviously, like, Mike strikes me as the kind of guy, especially with D&D, &D, he strikes me as the kind of person who, like, everything has to kind of be just so. And if his mom came down and, like, moved one little Demogorgon figurine, he'd be ah! like, Mother, what are you doing? Why do you hate me? That so, is actually a great point. I I totally respect that. But on the other hand, um, there has to be more stuff down there. Like, for example, um, in my house and even the house that I lived in, like when I was growing up, um, like I think I moved when I was like eight. Mm -hmm. Either way, in both of the houses that I've lived in, in my life, there has been other things in the basement. Like in my first house, we had like a playroom down there and that was our space. And my bedroom was in the basement. Um, yeah. in my the current house that my family lives in um but also so is the deep freeze yeah there's a lot of like like family stuff down there like storage and stuff yeah i think that's how all basements are yeah so it's like karen you never needed anything from the deep freeze this whole time you know like is there a laundry machine down there did they have there were laundry machines in the 80s right oh my god yes 
Okay, good. You are so special. How do you not know there's laundry machines in the- Oh my god. I wasn't- I wasn't alive. There was no internet. I don't know what happened. Alexa, when were washing machines invented? Washing machine is something that was invented in 1851. Okay, so <laughs> the the concept of a washing machine, but like personal washing machines. I'm pretty sure it was like right around the time that electricity became a thing. Like at least you the think? 50s. And then they figured out like how to like hook up water and everything too. That's definitely the 50s. Okay, sweet. Well, what a great combo we just had. Mm-hmm. Either way, Karen, there can't just be a full floor of your house that's literally just for chilling and D&D. Like, there has to be something else down there that is, like, like there's a furnace in my, ba- in the basement mm-hmm. at, at my parents' house. There's, um, listen, you know, all of that's up to Ted. That's true. Yeah. That's Ted's problem. And, and as if Ted does anything. Exactly. So, okay, that's fair. Lucas has, oh, this, this is something that I really loved, um, is that Lucas last episode was all like, no, I'm mad at you. We have to mm-hmm. like, reject Eleven because she did this, she did this. And especially, like, she literally attacked me. Like, we're literally, like... Would you can see why he was upset. Of course. But he has... And I'm talking about him on the radio right now. He has put aside the differences that he has with Eleven for the good of the group mm-hmm. to protect Eleven because he knows how much his family... Or, um... I guess his family. Yeah. Um, uh, how much Mike and Dustin even care about Eleven, and he knows that Mike isn't gonna just, like, ditch Eleven, so they might as well save Eleven to save Mike. Yeah. So, I don't know. And and we'll also talk about this later, because Lucas is the one who initiates apologizing to Eleven. Um, Lucas is a good kid. He's so mature. Yeah. He really is. Um, Is Karen on the phone with Steve's mom? Oh, I never even thought about that. She's talking about Nancy and Steve on the phone, and she's- I think she's looking for Nancy. And she knows that she was with Steve- so I think she was talking to Steve's mom. I think that's possible. Um, I think. Oh, never mind. We sorry, everybody. We started rewatching season two. Yeah, we're um, we're getting a little jumbled in preparation for season three. So last night when we were watching the first three episodes of season two, Steve was talking about like how he should maybe just like instead of going to college, just work for his dad. Oh, the and sacrifices. Anyway, I'm just really interested in hearing more about Steve's parents. We hear very little about them, and what we hear about them isn't great. We don't hear anything about them except that they're pretty negligent, they're not really involved in his life. Well, not so much negligent. And that they don't really trust each other. Yeah, they're very hands-off, you know, um, they probably don't have the most stable marriage, and so they get more caught up in their relationship issues than in Steve's life. Yeah. Um, One moment that I thought was really funny when Dustin was like, Mike, 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 he's in a huge hurry, and he goes, we need to leave. Right now. And I'm like, oh, everything else is a hurry except for that sentence? <laughs> Friend? Hello? Okay, but like, if my kid came in and used the tone of voice that they did, which is, like, when he was like, right now, like, screams it, I was like, holy crap. Yeah. I would think something was genuinely wrong. Yeah. Yeah. They mentioned the street of Cornwallis, and that sounded really familiar to me, and that's one of the corners that, uh, or that's one of the streets that Mirkwood is, like, right, 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 right. Um, so there's that. Um, this chase scene is iconic. Uh, there was a fun fact about the van flip. They used practical effects for that. I can't believe that. Yeah, and I have a longer paragraph about that um, after we finish this quarter and we talk about, like, our fun facts and okay. stuff um, that I got from the Stranger Things Wiki and IMDb. So, once again, thank you to anybody who writes on the Stranger Things Wiki, their trivia, and IMDb, because I'm literally just taking it from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you. Uh, Lucas is mature to apologize, which we talked about. 
Elle knows friends don't lie. She thought of Lucas as a friend. That's what I really like. Um, I really like their their whole relationship. And I think, like, Lucas, when you look at it from his point of view, kind of rightfully was mistrustful of her because, like, he doesn't know what she is. She just showed up out of the blue. Mike is obsessed with her. Like, no one is really, like, Dustin doesn't question anything that's going on. So, if, like, Lucas is supposed to be the skeptic. Yeah. Like, if they're the believers, Lucas is a skeptic, you have to have that foil in a group. Otherwise, you're like, there's no tension. Mm -hmm. So, I love that Lucas got to the point where he was like, oh, okay, I can accept that I maybe didn't treat you the way that I should have, but it was in the pursuit of trying to keep my friends safe. Mm -hmm. And by the way, one of my friends just died and I saw his dead body and stuff. So, like, maybe I'm a little messed up right now. Yeah. I know we've talked about this before, but the amount of hate that Lucas, maybe even to this day, gets. Mm Mm-hmm is really upsetting. And I mean, I know that I am absolutely guilty of watching season one for the first time and being like, Lucas, stop being such a stick in the mud. It's freaking, I mean, she is so cool. She has powers. Yeah. But like on rewatch and especially like even watching Lucas like in season two, like when you look at everything more, uh, with more insight Mm -hmm. and when you think more clearly about like, rather than just watching it for the story, when you think about it more, um, just in more, more in depth, Mm -hmm. Lucas is so completely valid. And honestly, like thinking about it, I would probably side with Lucas if I was in the same situation. I was going to say like, you would probably be the Lucas if you were going to be anyone. Yeah. I would be Dustin. (laughs) We all know it. I also identify a lot with Max and I'm so excited to get her when we get to season two. I I love Max. When they get to the police station, Joyce is like, take his handcuffs off. And they were like, no. And Joyce was, and Hopper's like, take his handcuffs off. And I'm like, oh, good Jopper content. <laughs> that's the interesting thing. It's like Hopper doesn't know anything that's happened. He's yeah. just like, well, Joyce wants that to happen. So I will make that happen. And yeah. I'm like, hmm, hmm, strokes beard. Hopper has seen some stuff he will probably believe. Yes. Um, like when Jonathan's like, I don't even want to tell you why I have this stuff. Because you won't believe me. And he's like, well, try me. <laughs> Try me, bitch. <laughs> yeah, my next one is, how is this the first time Karen has been to her own basement in a week, question mark? How many days has it been? Honestly, maybe, maybe. I think it's been, like, two weeks or something, maybe. I feel like it's only been, like, four days. Wow, that's a really weird four days. Yeah, you're probably right. You know? Like, yeah. it doesn't seem like we've gotten that many nights. Yes. Yeah. Like. I didn't realize it, but this actually does take place on, like, a pretty small time yeah. period. Yeah. I'm trying to remember how many nights we've got. But honestly, I don't have the brain capacity to do that right now. But I feel like it's around four or five up to a week if we got up there. But okay. it really isn't that much long, like that long a time. So like, I don't know what else they've got going down on down in the basement. So it's like, who knows? You know, Karen might be valid in not going down to the basement. But <laughs> also, why? Yeah, exactly. You know, she's valid, but I have questions. The shot where Brenner turns around when they open the door. So this is like an iconic shot where it's like knock knock and then you open the door and then it's like it's like an extra reveal. Yep. Like like opening a door is already a reveal. Yep. And then you open the door and then they turn around. That's another reveal. It's it's a pretty like iconic and like It's subverting expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember for sure, but when I saw it, my first thought was I think this is what they do when Karen opens the door for Billy. That's possible. Because Billy's that, that guy. Billy's that guy where it's like he opened the door and then of course he's like looking off yonder and then he turns around and he's like, oh, hey, it's me, Billy. You know what I mean? My thing is like, we had this discussion on the 100 pod, which I just like, we were just editing. Um, and we were like, you know, we try on every pod to treat 
all characters with like fairness mm-hmm. except for billy yeah billy's like a little abusive racist and i'm not interested in looking in the complexity of him thank you yeah i mean and and the one good thing about billy not necessarily like the person of billy but like the care the character of billy them writing the character for sure, for of billy, sure, for sure. is that they didn't have him just be a one-dimensional jerk you know they did give him some nuance they mm-hmm. did give him like a reason to and i'm sure on rewatch is. i'll see more nuance but like on the whole he is just like yeah an abusive little racist yeah so um and there's only so much you can say when it's like when he was only given that one thing, you know, like for example, since like I said we were rewatching the first three episodes of season 2 last night, every time he does anything, for example, like when he almost runs over Mike Dustin exactly. and Exactly. And it's like why did his, you do that? In his car, there's only so much you can say when you're like this person is supposed to be unlikable. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Like he's written to be unlikable. Yeah. Which is why it's so annoying to see these um, videos coming out of season three where Billy, sorry, Billy is still being um, put up on a pedestal by older women who should know better. Yeah. That is very, very disappointing. I have to say that um, that being like the first real clip other than the trailer that we've gotten from season three. Really upsetting. I genuinely was like, I I knew that I was going to like every single thing about this season except for that one thing. Mm -hmm. And the first thing you give me is that one thing that I know that I'm not going to like. So I have to say that was kind of disappointing. I I do feel like it might be because of their partnership with H&M because that's the scene where like everybody's wearing the H&M clothes. Yeah, that's a good point. So that might be part of it. But either way, I was a little disappointed with that. But Billy's whole thing is that his dad is, like, abusive to him, right? Mm -hmm. So, but there's only so much you can say is when he does something bad, you think, okay, this must have something to do with his dad. And we can talk about that for five minutes. And then after that, it's like, cool motive, still abuse. Must have something to do with his dad. You know, every time he does something, like, pushing Steve on the basketball court Mm -hmm. and and being mean to him in the showers and and all of these terrible things that Billy does. Cool. Beating up every single person, you know. All we can really say is it must have something to do with his dad. And of course, his relationship with his dad is horrible. And what happens to him is horrible, but it isn't an excuse to then become that person. Why, wait, we started talking about Billy and it's season one. I know. But, it's, yeah, I mean, we're here. But yeah, there's only so much you can say about Billy. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. When the government all comes in, Ted's first question is, what happened to her hair? Like, what the hell? Not the most important question, Ted. Ted is useless. Like, but in a great comedy way, where I'm yeah. like, Ted, are you all, like, present mm-hmm. at any given time? Like, where is your brain? Yeah. And t- Ted is like, Mike with a girl, we would know about it. But, and they're also like, if there was somebody living in our house, we would know. And it's like, you didn't uh, know when Jonathan slept over either. Exactly. I mean, Karen found out when she, like, looked in her room and everything. I feel like that was the last time Karen saw Nancy. Yeah. Or didn't even see Nancy. That was the last time she knew Nancy was home. That's why she's so worried about Nancy. But, like, it's clear they don't really know what the heck is going on in their own house. And that must be really upsetting as parents. And we all know that Brenner is evil. Yes. But when he comes up there and they're worried parents and he's able to tell them to trust him and... and Calm them down. Calm them down, seem like an authority figure over top of them. One of my notes was adults are inclined to believe other adults. And you were saying, especially when they are in uniform, when they are, you know... 
hired to do the thing yeah. that, you know, they're specialists. Especially because between he and, what was the, does the woman have a name? Connie from Social Services. Yes. When it's he and Connie, it's very much good cop, bad cop. Mm. Where Connie goes in and she's got kind of like this aggressive condescension and then you bring Brenner in and he's very cool-headed and he's very level and he's speaking to you in a calming tone and it's like, okay, because you are preferable to your colleague, I will listen to you. And it's a classic manipulation tactic. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and it's 100% on purpose. Oh, yeah. Like, there are sometimes when it's good cop, bad cop, especially on, like, comedies where it's like, you are good cop, you are bad cop, and that's why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. But it, when you look deeper into it, a lot of the time is it's like, hi, I'm bad cop on purpose, and I'm good cop on purpose. Yeah, exactly. You know? Okay, so that was my thoughts on the very first quarter. Hey, Brittany, do you want to hear some cool fun facts? I would love to hear some cool fun facts. I've got lots. Oh my god, okay. Um, Like I said before, I took these from the Stranger Things Wikia, mm-hmm. as well as IMDb. Um, I did not come up with these myself. Okay. Uh, I feel like maybe some of it was on like stuff like Beyond Stranger Things and stuff, like the bonus features. Yeah, but... just a lot of like behind-the-scenes stuff. But I did not compile these myself, All right. just to be clear. Okay. The showrunners, Matt and Ross Duffer, revealed that this episode was their most purely fun episode of the season because of featuring the bike chase scene with the kids and following up with a crazy van clip van flip sequence. Mm -hmm. Originally, they didn't have a bike chase planned for the episode, but opted to go for it as they felt it fitting to the plot, aside from recalling the famous chase scene from E.T. Okay. They explained that the iconic moment where Eleven flipped the van was very stressful because they decided to shoot the stunt practically, without any use of CGI. Our plan was to shoot the kids with a locked-off camera as they biked across the street and then merge that with a separate shot of a van flipping, Matt said. They tested on parking lots by blowing off explosives under a van. However, during film one of the explosives didn't trigger, causing the van to skid down one of the cameras, destroying it while causing production thousands of dollars. Oh my god! The Duffers convinced the line producer to try the stunt a second time. Ultimately, it was a success as the van soared high into the air and they shot the whole scene perfectly, which ended up on the final cut. That's actually shocking that, like, yeah. it was so dangerous. That could have hurt somebody. You Absolutely. Know I mean? Um. Okay, so I have a lot of... There were a lot of bloopers on IMDb, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of them had a lot to do with um, using de-icing salt in a sensory yeah. deprivation tank. So, um, here's just a lot of conversations about that. While the group is attempting to create a sensory deprivation chamber, they dissolved 1,500 pounds of salt into a pool of the time period. To test the specific gravity of the salted water, they see how well an egg floats. During the first test, the egg sinks. The second test, the egg floats with a large portion sitting above the waterline. Were this a real egg, it would be impossible to float an egg that high on top of the water, but as the egg turns on the water, the hole the crew used to remove the insides of the egg can be seen. See, I, I had had read this before watching the episode yeah and so i totally um i was watching for it and it's definitely there <laughs> you like already knew that it was coming yeah, yeah you went back and we saw it yeah additionally the pool holds roughly 100 gallons or 800 pounds of water if the pool is eight feet in diameter and the water is two feet deep even under boiling conditions it would be impossible to dissolve much more than about 320 pounds of salt that's what i was thinking there were there were like 1500 pounds of salt and i was like what mm-hmm. like a, a school wouldn't even pack that. No. Uh, actual de-icing salt is not cooking salt. It is raw and unprocessed, containing a significant portion of dirt and even gravel. It would yield a muddy, brownish solution and be rather disgusting for a person to immerse themselves in. 
Yeah, I was thinking, like, it was almost dangerous to put L in that. Mm -hmm. When Lucas yells the temperature corrections across the gym, the pool is already nearly full. You'd be hard-pressed to affect the temperature much at that late stage. (laughs) This is so nitpicky, though. So nitpicky, but I think it's so interesting that people literally went on to IMDb to write about their gripes about this. Yeah. I think that's so funny. When Mike answers Chief Hopper on the walkie-talkie, the radio at the buyer's house is sitting on a mantle next to a book called Great American Ghost Stories by Hans Holzer. This book wasn't published until 1997 years after the story takes place. Oh my god. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> you didn't say the magic word. That um, was a Jurassic Park right? Okay. That wouldn't come out until 1993. Okay. Thank you. This episode when the boys and Elle are hiding in the gym, sunlight can be seen coming from the windows on the roof down to the floor despite it being nighttime in the story. Okay, that is an actual blooper. I didn't watch for that one. I forgot about that one, so we might have to go back and look. In my opinion, that's an actual blooper. Yeah. At around 2518, Mr. Clark is watching The Thing, 1982, on his TV. The phone rings and he goes to pick it up. While he's talking, we hear audio from the film in the background from a part that occurs before the clip is shown. Oh my god! They're this so... This is so nitpicky. I know. Um, The movie that the science teacher is watching at home with his girlfriend was not released on videotape until 1992. Okay, that's... Again, that's nitpicky, but that is a fair point in that one. Like, that's an obvious one. Yes. Uh, it's not like I'm looking in the background for books. Yes. When Steve holds the soda can to his head, you can clearly see that the soda can is still closed. When Steve stands up and walks to the door of the car and is confronted by Tommy, you can see that the can is open. Also, when Steve drops the soda can to the ground, you can hear clearly hear that the can is empty. Well, maybe he just drank it really fast. Maybe he did and we just didn't see it. Yeah. In this chapter, when Nancy is sitting in the school hallway outside of the gym under the tiger mural and Jonathan comes out to sit beside her, in the background of the wide shot, you can see heavy cables and extension cords coming out of a mechanical room door running across the hall and going into different set of doors. That's the, so that was the film crew's stuff. Oh, okay. I was like, what does that mean? When Dustin and Lucas are seen dragging the mini pool into the Hawkins Middle School gymnasium, you can see see outlines for a basketball court here's another nitpicky one okay more specifically you see a three-point line the nba didn't adopt the three-point line until 1979 nor did the ncaa until 1986 with high school basketball following a year later stranger things being set in 1983 therefore could not have a three-point line in their gymnasium i think the thing that i'm most interested in there is that the three-point line didn't always exist yeah did you know that canadians invented basketball uh no but cool we sure did I love that for us. We also did Hawaiian pizza, right? Yes, we did. Respect. The dining chairs and floor pattern of the Wheeler House are the same as those in Poltergeist. I love that movie. That's pretty cool. Caroline. You've never seen it, right? Obviously. No. You're like, I am offended that you would even imply that. Never. I can't name one horror movie that I've seen. I can't name you one horror movie that I haven't seen. Have you seen Us yet? You got me there. Is that out yet? Yes. To watch on demand? Oh, I don't know. Okay. I just named the most recent horror movie I could think of. Crap. Yeah. What's, like, the easiest going horror movie, like, that I could have seen? Halloween. Nope. Because, like, it's not that graphic, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, no, I don't think I've seen... Compared to modern ones. I don't think I've seen a horror movie. I know that friends have watched horror movies, like, in the same vicinity as as me, Mm -hmm. but I know that, like, I would have, like, I'm pretty sure I, like, sit on the, like, very corner of the chair and I, like, go on Twitter or something during them. Oh my god, Like, with headphones in. Oh my god. So, this is the very first episode of the series to take place entirely within the same day. The previous six episodes have started one night and ended the following day. Oh, there you go. So it's been at least a week. True. at least six days. Yeah, go off. The scene that sees Hopper burst into the bus to rescue the kids was purposefully shot to resemble Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. (gasps) Oh my god, it totally does. It's very, it's it's shot 
Comedically, for sure. Yep. When Hopper and the other police officers open Jonathan Byers' car trunk to look inside, it is nearly identical to the recurring trunk shot that has become a trademark in Quentin Tarantino's films. I can see it. They do the same thing, like, with Steve, you know, uh, we had just watched the beginning of season two, Mm -hmm. and when, and we had seen, like, the, we actually, I think we watched the season two trailer, and it was the point in which um, Dustin was like, do you still have the bat? And he, like, opened the trunk. Yeah, he pulls out, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. The episode titles are homages to old horror classics. Chapter 7, The Bathtub, reminisces reminisces of the famous bathtub sequence in The Shining. Oh, okay. Um, And those are all my fun facts slash bloopers that people brought up on Stranger Things Wiki and IMDb. Hey, thanks for the info, man. Hey, you're welcome. Should we move on to the next quarter? Yeah. All right. At the junkyard, Lucas tells the rest of the party about what he saw while on his adventure. A helicopter is on the lookout for them now, so they hide their bikes under and their bodies inside the abandoned bus. Team adults, trademark, and the teens, (laughs) trademark, swap notes about the monster. Joyce and Jonathan have a talk about asking for help and not being alone. Hopper goes to investigate Troy and his mom, yelling at Callahan, and tell Hop about the psycho girl who breaks people's arms and makes them pee their pants. <laughs> Hopper is intrigued. Tommy H. and Carol buy Steve some painkillers and a Coke and make fun of Jonathan and Nancy some more. Steve finally comes to the life-altering conclusion that his friends freaking suck. Yes! But he doesn't want to get into another fight that he won't win, so he drives away. Hopper and co. watch Brenner and co. taking stuff out of the Wheeler house, and Nancy wants to go in and save her parents. Hopper won't let her. They need to find the kids. Trademark. Trademark. Nancy doesn't know where to find them, but Jonathan knows how they can ask them. They go back to the buyer's residence and use the walkie to communicate with the kids. They think it's a trap, but they pick up anyway. Help is on its way. Steve goes back to the movie theater and helps clean off the garbage that he spray painted on it. He is turning over a new leaf. The wrong people come to the junkyard, but Hopper defeats them, and now everyone's together! Yay! Yay! Um, the first thing I had about this, uh quarter was I'm Mike going something Steve related no it's actually about Mike oh Mike says we're fugitives now <laughs> like okay <laughs> like calm down my man you're okay <laughs> yeah. you're like Ted I thought it was very smart for them to hide their bikes I might not have thought of that no I would have thought of that um or 12 or however old they are how old are you now me yeah 24 would you have thought of that at 24 yeah oh, okay could they have fit the bikes in the bus yeah, probably. So I wonder which thing takes more time, you know what I mean? Could they have fit it in the bus with all of the... No, because I'd have to get it up those stairs, and that would be so That's friggin' true. loud. That's true. You're right, you're right. The bus, of course, is important later as well, especially in season two. They also use that bus as a... They just really like that bus. Yeah. I mean, it's a really cool place to chill. I have a question about this bus. Mm. Is this bus a reference to something else? Or is the bus, like, uniquely Stranger Things? I don't know if the bus is uniquely Stranger Things in that I think it's been done before, but I don't think it's an homage to anything. Great. Would you say that the abandoned bus in a junkyard in Riverdale is maybe an homage to Stranger Things? No. No, you don't think? No. But I do like that idea. What could, like, it just seems like I'm not sure. It feels like a trope more than anything else. Okay. Maybe. But it wouldn't be a reference to something specific. I don't think so. But I mean, you never know. That's true. Jonathan thinks he has to do everything alone. And you were saying, Joyce, you need to take your own advice. Well, that was the thing that kind of broke my heart is like, because she's such a mom and she's so protective when she says to Jonathan, like, you're not on your own. You're not alone. You don't have to do this alone. It's really like Joyce. That's both something that Joyce needs to hear for herself, but also something that she's practicing because she got Hop to help her. Yeah. You know, like she's someone who is not afraid to ask for help when she needs it if she knows she can trust the person. Right. Oh, Troy's mom asked for their name and badge number and they are right Right there. there. Literally at eye level on the officer's chest. Name, badge number. Right there. Right there. (laughs) 
I love Callahan. I know I know we've talked about him in the past being like kinda weird. He's just kind of a simple man. Yeah, but ultimately he's like there for comedy and I appreciate him. I for that. lost my mind when like they were standing there and she was like, Give me your name and badge number, and then we're like she was yelling, and the minute she turned around, he started like gesturing behind her back. And I just thought that was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. I was like me in any given situation. Who's the one who says losers? Somebody says like what losers? Oh, I think it's Troy who says, like, she hangs out with those losers. And Hop goes, what losers? And Hop goes, what losers? Or, like, which losers? Which losers? And then it cuts to Steve. And then it, like, implies <laughs> there's more than one loser. And yeah. then it's like, well, here's one. Yeah. We all know that Tommy H and Carol are garbage friends. Yes. We know, like, not even just garbage friends, but just garbage people. They might be garbage people, yeah. Like, garbage people who don't make good friends, obviously, you know? Because there's such thing as, like, when you're, okay, let's get this straight. When you're a teenager, you're garbage. I don't care what teenager you are, you're pretty freaking garbage. But Steve, great example of a garbage teen who was, like, not actually garbage and was just trying to grow out of stuff and, like, figure out who he is. I feel really safe in saying that these two will probably always be pretty garbage. Yeah, that's true. And... Of all of the garbage things they've done, of which there are many, mm -hmm. one of the, the thing that they do at the very beginning of this scene is one of the most unforgivable in my mind. Why? What is it? Well, Steve has just been fully beaten up mm -hmm. and they go in and they get him some painkillers and a Coke to put on his like, I don't know, black eye, I guess. Yeah, right? That's really nice. And they come up, comes out. And Tommy tells him, tell me about 20. How much he owes him. Yeah. Tommy. Yeah, good point. He was just, he just went through this and you're telling him that he owes you money. As you were telling a story, I was like, yeah, that was really nice of them. I was like, oh my God, wait. He's like, wait, by the way, this isn't out of the kindness of my own freaking heart. <sighs> You know, these two, like, the way they are and the way they kind of circle people like vultures yes. reminds me of two bullies that I had when I was in junior high. Uh-huh. Because I was wearing... Okay, like, I'm just going to preface this by saying, maybe looking back, I deserve to be bullied. But <laughs> No, don't say that. No one, no one deserves to be bullied. I was wearing a Rosie O'Donnell show t-shirt in gym class, and these two started circling me and jumping at me and calling me a lesbian and calling me, like, all sorts of, like like really homophobic slurs and, and like, Brittany says back, I know but hey yeah, exactly. when looking back y'all were like half right but like <laughs> that's not the point yeah but it, it has that same energy of people who kind of close in on you mm -hmm. and sort of like trap you somewhere that's the kind of bully energy I think that those two have mm -hmm. like they will like they will go right for your throat yeah like because it's such casual callousness to be like oh yeah you owe me money for that Mm -hmm. and it's like what was the point of going inside for him then he could have just done it himself yeah like maybe he would have walked in there and they would have been like hey you're bad for business get the heck out of here what the heck is wrong with but you but at the same time they can just look out the window and he's there anyway too yeah so either way finally Steve stands up to them I'm so proud of him me too it's like, I don't know if the first time I watched this, I knew in my soul, as much as we have gone through this season, seeing all of the like pieces of good Steve that really is there. I, I always knew that Steve wasn't as bad as Tommy and Carol, but not until like really going in on Steve's character, did you really like see the extent as to how much he was being influenced by them? See, for me, when I watched it, I didn't interpret it so much that he was being influenced as he was just kind of going along with the status quo right because it was easier and but that's also part of influence yeah well, i guess so but i think i prefer to think of it as yeah he did some crappy stuff because he had some crappy morals but now he's trying to like he's like you know what actually this isn't what i want to be and this isn't who i want to be 
and you're not the people I want to be around. And like, I think those are like, you know, two sides of the same coin mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. But when I was watching for sure, I was like, oh yeah, okay, this is a big redemption moment for yeah. Steve. Like this has been coming for a while. It felt very organic. Yeah, I was trying to remember. And I think that I did like when it happens, you're like, I was waiting for this. You know, it's exactly. like, it's like finally this guy who really is not that bad is finally understanding that the people he's hanging out with do not reflect his best, his best self. Yeah, like they're jerks. They're absolute jerks. That's why after this, it was so ridiculous. And I don't, I feel like I heard this on Tumblr. I don't have any receipts on this other than the fact that I like read the Tumblr post about it, Mm -hmm. but I didn't see as much as I remember, I don't, I didn't see this. And I might've even mentioned this on the podcast before, but let me just say once again, that I did not see like any actual article or quote about this. I literally just saw a post about it on Tumblr, but someone on Tumblr said that like the Duffer brothers wanted to make Steve a rapist in season two. Um, I actually do remember you talking about this. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I talked about it before. That's disgusting. After giving him a redemption at the end of season one, Mm -hmm. I can't imagine just trying to put him back. Like, like Steve was progressed in season two so perfectly. Yeah, like how do you how do you make the entirely opposite decision? Yeah, like what happens there? Mm-hmm. But that that's disgusting. Like they were gonna do it, and then Joe Keery was like, "Please, don't. no." He was like, "That's not who who I've been playing." exactly this whole time it's not yeah but that oh god that's a disgusting choice yeah Ugh. i would i feel like stranger things would have a hard time coming back from that if they had gone with that yeah my my whole thing is you don't need to include sexual violence unless you're gonna do it right and i fully believe that because this show is a little sanitized they wouldn't have done it right no you know no, they absolutely would not have. And it's like, another thing is it's like, do they say the SH word and the B word? Of course, but that's about as bad as it gets because this show stars kids yeah. and these kids are obviously going to go and watch the show that mm-hmm. they were in, you know? And it's like, even then, like, I mean, it, it does have a commentary on what's more palatable and it's like, well, there's, there's, even though there is scary things, there's not gratuitous violence. Yeah. Um, there's, it's more jump scares than anything. Yes. But if you introduce this huge element of sexual violence against a woman, like, you have a responsibility to your audience to do that story correctly. Yes, I'm looking at you, Game of Thrones, because you never did it correctly. But if, if you just kind of skate over it and it's like Steve's a rapist and he's just kind of garbage, holy crap, it is 2019. Mm-hmm. You can't... And th- I just think at this point, there are more interesting stories to tell in a show where you're not going to explore it with the respect it deserves and guess what they did they did yeah. and it was a way better decision yeah. but i i do think that reflects on these writers who also think that it's okay to use homophobic slurs as like as insults is it shows like what their life experiences have been so far and it's very clearly that the Duffler brothers have no concept of any of this yeah now I have another question about this um, that I am looking for your opinion on mm-hmm. and I'm trying to figure out if this one line is a hint. Okay. Tommy says, oh, sorry. So um, Steve says you shouldn't have done that. Done what? You know what? You mean call her out for what she really is? Oh, that's funny because I don't remember you asking me to stop. And Steve said, I should have put that spray paint right down your throat. So in my mind, I'm of two, I have two opinions because there are two things that I think are telling me here. So you shouldn't have done that. Call her out for what she really is. Mm -hmm. 
So is that what Steve is telling him to that he shouldn't have done? Or I'm wondering if this is telling us that Tommy's the one who wrote it. Tommy's the one who wrote it. Because Tommy says, that's funny because I don't remember you asking me to stop. And then he says, I should have put that spray paint right down your throat, which tells me that he was at least holding it. He was there and probably being like, oh, I don't know about this, but he didn't stop Tommy from doing it. Yes, which sometimes is just as bad. Yes. So anyway, I guess I was just trying to figure out who's the one who actually wrote it. And it seems like it might have been Tommy. I think it was Tommy. Okay. Yeah. I think that definitely implies it was Tommy. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, You were saying that you thought the cuts looked really real on Steve's face. Yeah, they were so realistic. I was kind of shocked. I really liked that element a lot, Um, especially like the congealed blood on the side of his face. Yeah. The makeup artists are so good. Mm -hmm. Always. Nancy is just amazed that Mike gets a helicopter. She's like, oh, my brother is so important that he gets a helicopter. That's so funny. I was like, Nancy, what are you doing? There's bigger fish to fry. Same though. Yeah. Jonathan knows about the walkie, which tells us that he pays better attention to his brother than Nancy does. Yep. But I think that was clear before. I just wanted to point it out. Yeah, again. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, talk to me about Lando. Calrissian? Yeah. Oh my god, I have great news. I know so much about him. Please do, because I know literally nothing about him. Oh my god. Um, other than the fact that Donald Glover was him. Donald Glover did play young Lando. Okay, great. Um, That's literally all I know, though. So tell me more about that. Older Lando was, I believe, Billy D. Williams. Um, but you were also saying that um, Dustin referencing him was not uh, exactly correct? No, it's... They were doing a lot of Star Wars, like, callbacks in this, like, chunk of scenes. Because mm-hmm. the first thing they start with is Lando. So the implication is, like, Lando invited Han, Leia, and everyone to Cloud City and said oh I will keep you safe like you're okay here so the Millennium Falcon landed and they were like okay everything's fine but what he really did was like sell them out to Darth Vader to serve his own agenda so that's what they're trying to say is oh he's like a double agent and then um they had like a couple more like little references like where I think Dustin said something like I don't feel great about this and the Star Wars line is, I got a bad feeling about this. Like, things like that. So I love the little Star Wars. All the Star Wars things make me so happy. But the Lando one was like, I was like, yeah. It's such a great shortcut for people who know what it means. And if you don't, you're like, huh? Uh, well, kids are nerds. Yeah, you're like, okay, well, whatever. <laughs> but but his reference, like, made sense? It made perfect sense. Because I thought before you, because when we were watching it yesterday, you were like, you were saying that it didn't. No, I said that his made sense. I said that um the line was wrong. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Steve goes to help clean up what Tommy did slash he basically did. Mm-hmm. It's kind of his fault. Um, and there's this poor old guy who has to clean up the spray paint. I feel bad for him. Me too. Until I saw that like when Steve goes up the ladder, there's another guy who's holding the ladder who is much younger than this dude. And like I know that the older guy is up there to like make us feel bad for him and make us be like see what you did. Uh, you're bad. Mm-hmm. But like all I could think about was like this other guy who was holding the ladder and I was like my dude probably get up there dude. Exactly. Like, what are you doing? You're letting him do it? Yeah, climb it, dummy. Um, I noticed that Steve does not admit guilt. No, he doesn't. He's- there's a there's an interesting layer to Steve where he's like yeah I know that this was wrong but I don't even like I'm not gonna own up to all of it like, yeah I'm not taking all the blame for yeah. it you know what I mean um Ted believes in the government but Karen has the right instincts yeah she does yeah Ted's an idiot yeah Ted is an idiot yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, also, my next note was Ted doesn't know his children. No, he doesn't. But he also does not make an effort. I, I mean, how do you, how do you sleep at night? Even in season two, I don't remember seeing Ted do hardly anything. Uh uh-uh, uh, it's all Nancy. All Nancy. It's all Karen. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see in season three if if Ted does anything else. <laughs> you know, anything. Oh, I think we might have talked about this all on the pod already, but um. 
recording podcasts every three weeks makes it so it's kind of like I kind of forget a little bit what we yeah. talked about before. Um, which Star Wars movie was out at this time? Like, what was the most recent Star Wars movie that was? Uh, out? what year is this? Nineteen eighty-three. I feel like Empire. Empire Strikes Back. Hang on, well, Alexa. When did Return of the Jedi come out? The film Return of the Jedi was released about thirty-six years ago on May twenty-fifth, nineteen eighty-three. So, Return of the Jedi has yeah. just come out. So, the last of the trilogy. So, Lando is in it? Or... Uh, Lando was an empire. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know what else I can glean from that, but I just wanted to know. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Brittany, do you know what Patreon is? Um, I don't. Could you tell me? Sure. So, Patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. Mm-hmm. And we have one, actually. Yeah, we do? Whoa. Yeah. Where can I find that? Uh, you can find it at patreon.com slash theafficionados. And the uh-huh. lowest um, donation you can do is $1 a month. Oh, that's really affordable. Oh, so it's a monthly thing. Right, it's mm. a monthly mm. thing. And, um, you know, sometimes you, if you want, you could do $20 a month. That would be dope. But oh. the lowest one you do is $1 a month. And one of the great things that you get if you join our Patreon is you get to have early access to all of the podcasts at least one day. Sometimes two. Whoa. I know. It's really exciting. That's a hell of a perk. Seriously, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what Patreon is. And yeah. Cool. Oh, and you know what? If you can't donate, that's totally okay. The next best thing you can do is recommend us to a friend. Oh, okay. I'll do that then. Lots of people have seen Stranger Things. So there's lots of people to recommend us to. That's true. All right. Next quarter. Everyone converges on the buyer's house and Nancy recognizes the dress that Eleven is wearing. Everyone swaps info so they're all finally on the same page. Eleven tries to get through to Barb and Will, but she's tired out by the van flipping earlier. Mm. She remembers the bath that she had at the lab that made it easier to get to her upside down realm thing. Dustin calls Mr. Clark, who is on a date, to get info on how to make a sensory deprivation tank. They go to the school, the only place that has the amount of salt they need, and set up a kiddie pool. They all work together to get it set up. Meanwhile, Nancy and Mike are gossiping about their prospective love interests, which they both deny, and Joyce helps Eleven, making sure she knows how appreciative Joyce is, brave Eleven is, and that she always has a choice. Oh my god. That last part just makes me so happy. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah. Um, Especially because, like, Eleven was taken away from her mom, and the father figure she had was hot garbage. Yep. And obviously she gets a better- although she does have her problems with Hopper in season yeah. two, her relationship- to this father figure is much better. But one thing that she is still missing in season two is a mother figure. Yeah. Even when she goes and she literally finds her mother. But of course, Terry is absent. You yeah. Know? She's not there. So that was the thing that broke my heart about season two is they really set up like this mother daughter bond between them in the first one and they didn't follow through on it at all. Yeah. Um. She got like a sister, but I'm still waiting for more Eleven and Joyce. Mm-hmm. Nancy's dress, which obviously is like too small for her. So I don't know why she still has it. Yeah. yeah and it's kind of ugly. Um, finally, everyone's info is coming together. It's like, it's just the best. I love when this happens near Mm -hmm. the end of the season when everyone's like, wait, you did this? Wait, you did this? Oh, well, this goes together. Like, all the plot lines begin to converge and you're like, yeah! Because I know it's like, storytelling obviously but like every time that everything like comes and it's like a just miss Mm -hmm. each other and it's like everything would work out if you guys just communicated about this so it's nice when they finally do i'm a sucker for it yeah um i noticed there's a moment between hopper and 11 they just kind of like look at each other and And i just know that you guys are gonna be best friends yeah you guys are gonna gonna be friends 
Do you want to talk about the Tiffany overhead pendant light? Oh my god! All you I don't said, have to. You don't have to. All I said was that this this light that is over the table looks like one of those Tiffany stained glass lamps, and I doubt it even was. First of all, because how would like they be afford Tiffany stained glass like lamps? But it threw me all the way back to like my childhood because my great aunt had overhead lamp or overhead uh i guess a chandelier exactly like that so there was my useless bit of fun (laughs) so one of the questions that i had while i was watching was why is 11 crying and i actually came up with three different answers oh wow overachiever much my first answer was that she just saw dr brenner again yeah um and so that might make her cry yeah whether it be because he did all those terrible things to her She's traumatized. Or whether seeing him again makes her feel like she is betraying him or letting him down. Mm -hmm. Um, My other one was that, which I think is the most clear one, is that she feels like she's failing them, Mm -hmm. like the people who she put dress in and who are helping her. Mm -hmm. And then my last one was, what is she good for if not for this? I think all of those are true. Yeah. I think you could make the argument for all of them and they would be right. Yeah. Oh, so Mr. Clark is watching The Thing. Mm-hmm. which is kind of foreshadowing. Big foreshadowing. Can you talk about that? Just, it, well, I mean, the chest bursty and just, like, all of that stuff is, like... I mean, even something bursting out of something else was very much the Demogorgon coming out of the yeah. wall. Like, all sorts of kind of things like that. Yeah. I love that Mr. Clark had fun facts about the movie, because, like, that's so me. Right? Like, he, like, <laughs> hit up IMDb. Yeah. Dustin has Mr. Clark's number, question mark? That He must have looked it up in the yellow pages. Well, at that point, it's like you either have to have it memorized, see it in the phone book, or they're at Will's house. Mm -hmm. So knowing that Will is, like, Mr. Clark is, like, Will's favorite teacher and everything, like, Joyce might just have it. I think it was, I think it was the yellow pages phone book. Um, he's on a date, but he chooses to help him at the detriment of his date. Yeah, I would say so. Which is so sad. It is sad, but also I feel like that might be, like, if it was me. Yeah. And they were, and he came back and he was like, sorry, one of my students, like, really was trying to learn something and I'm out here trying to teach people, you know? I'd be like, wow, that's amazing. I'd be like, it's so nice that you're so passionate about helping children. You sound like a great person, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, also we don't know how long he's been dating this person as well. Yeah. Um, so, like, this, I mean, it seems like it's kind of sort of new, but if they've been on enough dates, it's probably like, yeah, welcome back. You know, I already know this stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, we never really find out what the, what the outcome is. Yeah. (laughs) I love how Mr. Clark was like, what is this for? And Dustin was like, can't say. So, "Mm, fun. Adventure. (laughs) Yeah. The curiosity door, quote, obviously iconic. It's a meme now. Yeah, exactly. Um, Hopper is protecting Jonathan for Joyce. Whole some. Yeah. He's like, you can't do this because your mom's been through a lot. And he's like, and I know exactly what it's like to lose a kid, so let's not lose both of them. Which is a great segue into why is Hopper so determined to find Will. Because he knows what it's like to lose a kid. Yeah, and I think another part is like, if we can make it more Jopper than even it meant it was meant to be. It's Joyce. He cares about Joyce. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he wants to spare her that pain. He knows what it's like. Like, like, he just doesn't want someone else to go through that. And I think, you know, it's Hopper. I think he will find his own retribution in it, too. Right. And after being, like, a big city cop that we had canoned with Chicago, I bet, like, I bet he doesn't like to see a case unsolved. Especially if it has to do with a kid. Yeah. Especially yeah. if it has something, if, if it says it's something so close to his heart. And it's someone he knows, too. Yeah. Um, I assume that the direction for Dustin and Lucas setting up the pool was just yeah just not just don't do it right just be bad at setting up the pool and they're like got it 
Got it. That's Will actually do. very easy to do. This <laughs> pool is complicated. Yeah. Actually, it's super easy to do. If anyone has ever put uh, put a kiddie pool together, yikes. It is hard. Yeah. To get it to stay up. Yeah. So Nancy and Mike decide that they're going to tell each other everything now. And yeah, they do not follow through on that, huh? They both immediately ask gossipy questions. Yep. They're like, well, now that I've got the truth for sure, tell me the thing I'm interested in. It's kind of a shame that in season two, you can see that they didn't do that at all. Yeah, they didn't really. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like Jonathan and Nancy both have more of a connection to the kids than Steve should. Yeah. And yet they put Steve with the kids, which obviously was a really great idea because it's freaking gold. I think that has to do with like the cool uncle scenario. Right. Like you'll, sometimes you trust your uncles and aunts with information that you can't trust your parents with. Right. Same thing. Talk to me about Joyce and Eleven. I think the thing that really touched me is that for once someone is actually like, Eleven is about to do this thing. And for once someone's telling her that she doesn't have to do it. And not only does she not have to do it, if she goes in and does do it, she can leave anytime she wants. Like for once she has agency in what she's doing. And the fact that this is coming from like a female figure and that Eleven's never really had that before. It just all reads as like very maternal and very like loving. And especially when Eleven is under, like the thing that grounds her is Joyce's voice. And I think that's so important. And that's why I think it's such a damn shame that season two didn't explore that is because I think they have an incredible bond that just got ignored. It's interesting to me that Eleven isn't even supposed to know what the word friend means. Mm -hmm. But I don't remember other than Connie from Social Services. I don't even remember seeing a woman in the lab. Yeah. Like, does, has Eleven ever seen a woman? Yeah, probably. You know? Yeah, there's probably women around that we, we just haven't seen. See. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. I don't have anything to do in between this um quarter, like okay. these two quarters. I did for the other two, but I don't have anything here, so right. we're just gonna move on. Okay. Time to get into the pool. Oh, all right. Eleven gets straight to work. She finds Barb first, but... She did. Sorry, Nancy. She finds Will next, who is chilling in Castle Byers. Eleven sends him words of encouragement so he knows that they are on their way. Then he disappears. Joyce tells Eleven she did a good job. Hopper is going to the portal. Joyce insists on coming with. Nancy and Jonathan decide to go grab their stuff and finish what they started. They're going to distract the Demogorgon from Jopper by killing it. I mean, Jopper break in, but get caught immediately. And the monster finds Will inside Castle Byers. I love that Castle Byers came back and was a plot device. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the notes that I had about Castle Byers actually was that that was the first, one of the first places they looked. Yep. And that was like the thing that was so heartbreaking is he was there the whole time. Yeah. Their instincts were right. Yeah. Joyce knew. Yeah. Like she knew immediately where he was. Mm -hmm. Can you remind me what your theory was, if you remember, about Barb? Like, I think... Uh, it might either it was last episode or the episode before once again like i said since we record these so far away from each other it's mm -hmm. kind of hard to remember exactly what we talk about but um we were talking about how the monster doesn't exactly eat barb it uses barb as a host yeah and i totally forgot about this moment because i think this is totally evidence of that that because she wasn't eaten she was used as a host mm -hmm. like eleven saw her as that in the upside down yeah, like, she literally, like, a creature emerges from her. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think that whatever the this sort of creature does, it definitely will use whatever it absorbs to create more of itself, mm -hmm. which is so disgusting. Well, next episode, we see that the same thing happened to Will, but he's obviously, like, not as far gone as Barb. Mm -hmm. So is there a chance, obviously there isn't a chance that she, like, survived, like, past season one, but mm -hmm. is there a chance that she's still alive right now? No. Okay, good. Good, because, oh my That's god. That's disgusting. Yeah. Because my... clearly, like, Will was alive 
when they were pulling it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so. But my question is, um, because we see Will barf up the slugs and then season two, of course, is like, you know, the introduction of the demo dogs and of, uh, what, how does Dustin say? The Mind Flayer. D'Artagnan? Oh, D'Artagnan, yeah. D'Artagnan. Um, is Will single-handedly responsible for bringing the Upside Down to the other side of the world? Oh, uh, you mean then like- he barfed up those- You mean like, the right side up? Yeah. Um. Good, good. <laughs> I, I don't know, because either way, it would still be there, you know? And the portal in the lab would still be there. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Dart was the slug that Will barfed up? That's what I was thinking when we were watching rewatching season two yesterday, is because of where Dustin found him, it did make me wonder if Will had introduced that, like, the Dart organism into that environment, where it wouldn't have been there before. Not necessarily, like, Dart... It- specifically but like the species of dart where it could like then you know breed and spread to pumpkin patches like my question is whether it really did come from the building or if will actually did play a role in that that is really interesting because what i was about to say was that it couldn't i don't think and like who knows about the biology of the demodogs right oh yeah exactly knows but what i was gonna say is that it doesn't make sense for it to be dart because um because it's been like a year a little under a year because i believe the when he barfs at the slugs it's christmas Christmas. so a little over under a year and then he's still like a baby and then after dustin finds him he grows so quickly yeah no i think it's Um, like darts like great grandparents or something right interesting yeah, that is interesting. One of the things that we both noticed was that um, the dress that she's wearing is clean in the Upside Down. I love that. Which is so cool because it's very, very dirty when yeah, she's wearing it. Yeah, it's such a great detail and it really evokes sort of like a baptismal like bit of imagery. You know, where when you go under like you, or basically when you when you emerge, you are free of sin. And like when she's under, like she's clean and she's pure and mm-hmm. she like has a mission and things and then she like emerges back into the real world. Like to me, just red is very much like a religious thing. Right. Um, and it's, it, how were we to tell before now? Because every time that she went in there, she was wearing something that was already clean. Yeah. So that's interesting. And very odd looking. Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, Barb be dead. Yeah, she's second dead. She'd be dead. Yeah. Joyce's comforting words penetrate through the upside down. I think that's beautiful. I think that's the power of, like, a mother's love, whether yeah. or not it's your mother. Like, yeah. I think, like, the love of a really good person mm-hmm. will do that. Eleven doesn't even know Will, but she talks to Will with such, not enthusiasm, but she talks with such vigor. Like, yeah. she really, she talks to him, like, and makes sure that he knows that that everyone is looking for him. Mm-hmm. She doesn't even know him. She's never met him, but um, she knows, but she has met all the people outside. Like, every single person there cares whether or not Will is okay, yeah. you know? So I just think that's lovely. And Millie and Noah have both talked about, like, if Jopper becomes a thing then they get to be like step siblings and they're so excited oh, about that's it so cute so i mean fingers crossed for jopper <laughs> hell yeah it's an inevitability and yeah. if it's not i will throw a fit why does will disappear like in her upside down does he like pass out or something because like later we hear him singing so like he's not like passed out at that point but it's just interesting as to why he disappears i want maybe maybe she brings maybe she's just um tired again and she can't do it yeah because my question is where she goes is not quite the upside down where she goes is like a slight access to different parts of the upside down right so like her upside down yeah so like does she have to summon a certain amount of energy to find these things how about we call it Inside out. That's fair. So upside down, right side up, inside out. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's out of control thing. <laughs> Jonathan says that of Castle Byers, Will used to go there to hide from Lonnie. 
Probably. Or from just hearing his parents fight. Right. Yeah, that's really all the only thing I can really think of. Yeah. It to be hiding. But, and I know we, I'm pretty sure we brought this up the first time we saw Castle Byers, like in like episode one, but it says so much about Will that the sign says, all friends welcome. Yep. There are, I, I, I'm almost certain I said this exact thing in like the, in like the pilot episode that we did, but there are so many young boys who, if they had like hideouts, they would all say no girls allowed. Yeah, exactly. And his says everyone's welcome. Because he's wholesome and he's good. Mm -hmm. And like, if he says no girls allowed, then his mom can't come in. We don't get to see a lot of Will this season. Honestly, we don't even get to see a lot of Will next season. Yeah, I would love to actually get to know Will. Because he's possessed for like half the season. More than half even. But I'd love to get to actually know Will next season. It seems like we will. Like, yeah, when, so. when we get it in the trailer, we get the shots of, like, you know, that that iconic shot where they're, like, pushing forward and everybody's, like, there and they're, like, all staring. It looks like it's probably from the finale and something's yeah. coming towards them. I'm I'm pretty sure that everyone's there. So, like, Will is there, which is nice because I would love to actually meet him. Yeah, I definitely want to get to know Will because I feel like he's a nice soft boy. But they use so many good narrative devices to tell us who Will is. Especially with his drawings. With his drawings, with, I mean, we get some flashbacks mm-hmm. and everything too, but like with that sign and everything, they Word tell us, yes, exactly. They tell us, and even in like the first scene where he comes clean to Mike that he like lost the battle or whatever mm-hmm. in, the, in D&D, they tell us who Will is, even though we don't get to see him yeah. very often. Hopper is worried he'll die, so that's why he wants to go alone, and jo- Joyce wants him to stay then and for her to go, because it's her son. We love a sa- self-sacrificial mom. <laughs> And Hopper understands, so he lets her come with her. Come come with him. I was really afraid when I was watching this. I was like, it's always, oh no, I have to go alone. And you're like, but that's not what I wanted to watch. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, I think people would want to watch these two actors together. People would want to watch these two characters together. Let's have them do it as a team. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that they do that because it really subverts expectations just because with TV, for some reason, they never really want to give you what you want to see. Yeah. And like, I was like, oh, I would rather see them go together. Oh, nice. They're going together. Mm-hmm. So especially after Joyce just told Jonathan you can't pretend like you're all by yourself you can't pretend that you're all alone in this when you're not exactly and then Hopper saying I have to go by myself and Joyce saying literally no I just had this talk with another child yeah (laughs) and like you and I are like we're in this together now yeah like this is our thing so there's a mural above Jonathan and Nancy of tigers yes you're telling me that the Hawkins team is not the Hawks yeah that is actually very upsetting the tigers that's upsetting to me. I am I'm upset by that. So Jopper immediately gets caught because of course they do. I mean, duh. Yeah. Um, so that's the next episode problem. Will is singing Should I Stay or Should I Go? Which of course the whole song is just symbolism for Will. It's so um, good. It's a comfort to him because it reminds him of his family, yeah. but also it's like, should I run or should I not run? Yeah. You know? And unfortunately, the monster grabs him. It's a jump scare, but um, oh, I love a good don't jump worry, scare. everyone, since this is not spoiler free, I can tell you he gets saved. Yeah, it, next it's, episode. Oh, it's okay. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all I have. Hey, that was really good. Now let's have for segments. My first segment is Good Guy Steve Alert. Hey, Good Guy Steve Alert. Steve stands up to his garbage friends. This is the ultimate Good Guy Steve mm-hmm. Alert because he has now become Good, good guy, guy Steve. Steve. Hey, Good Guy Steve alert. He helps clean the thing. Yeah. I mean, he that's the least he could do because it was like half his fault for it happening, but it's nice for him Still, to do Still. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And my segment is which MILF was the most badass. I mean, Joyce, duh. It's not even a question. Yeah. <laughs> One of the only options, but she deserves every every award. She yeah. gets every episode. She always deserves it. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. 
even yeah. if it's even if she's running unopposed. I mean, Karen, so true. Karen was here too, but even if she's running unopposed, she just deserves it. Yeah. Now it's time for our best line award. Mine goes to Dustin and Mike for. Did you see what you did in that van? No, Dustin, we missed it. No, Dustin, we missed it. <laughs> I love Dustin we so much. That was my, it's Mike who. No, I love that Dustin sarcasm. was like, hey, did you see this obvious thing? And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, bud, we did. And I have an honorable mention for Troy's mom and Callahan for. Ma'am, I need you to calm what down. What is your name, deputy? Well, I'm an officer, okay. I'm an officer, like weird flex. Well, I'm an, I'm an officer. Okay. Well. So first of all, um, thanks. Thanks. And mine goes to Mike for. If anyone asks where I am, I've left the country. It's like, oh, okay. Okay, All right. yeah. And my honorable mention goes to Dustin for the iconic... Why don't we talk about it Monday, after school, okay? You always say we should never stop being curious. To always open any curiosity door we find. Dustin. Why are you keeping this curiosity door locked? Iconic. Yeah. Incredible. Thank you so much for listening. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. If you're so inclined, please leave us a review on iTunes. We like those. And we have a survey that is just perpetually open that you can find in the description box. Uh, if you're a fan of Riverdale, which we are, uh, oh, we like yeah. to talk about that show too. Season three is just finished here. Um, so yeah, that's right. There are three seasons of Riverdale podcasts for you to listen to. And unlike Stranger Things, those come out weekly. So episode by episode, we don't know what happens next. So that gets pretty crazy. It's a roller coaster of <laughs> cheesy badness. Yeah, and we also do The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on that feed. Season one is done, and um, season two is coming in this hiatus here. If you're a fan of The 100, we like to talk about that show, too. We have covered seasons four and five, and we are doing season six right now. Oh, my God. It's yeah. great. It's, it's literally so good. If you love more science fiction, that's your place to go. Yeah, like, like genuinely. I mean, just skip the first five seasons. You can start with season six. Don't skip the first five seasons. I will kill you. Yeah, uh, don't don't do that. But, like, season four. Don't skip any of the Ah, fine! <laughs> if you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show, too. Um, we are doing episode by episode, month by month right now, just because there's a large workload we've got right now. Yeah, but we're, um, we're in the middle of season two, and things are happening over there. Yeah. You can follow the aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Rebel, YouTube, but mostly Twitter. And then, like, a little bit of Tumblr, because Robin posts our favorite line award gifts on Tumblr. Yeah, I try really hard, and I work really hard. Please support me. Um, our Patreon, like I said, is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating, because it's really expensive. Yeah. You think it's free, we give it to you for free, but it's not free to make, and we'd like to continue... We will continue to offer it for free, but we could really use your help if you think it's worth it. Plus, it helps us uh, feel better about working through our weekends. Yeah. <laughs> that's all we do on weekends. Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at Abritania, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. Join us next episode for episode 108, The Upside Down. The season one finale. I can't believe we're already here. And you know what that means? What? One week after our podcast goes up, season three goes up on Netflix. Finally. I am so freaking excited. I am like, it's what we deserve. I've been waiting for it. I'm excited for it. This show is such a summer show too. Like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm so excited I'm to. Okay to go. I watched season two in one day and I am prepared to do the same with season three. Oh yeah. Same. 100%. Yeah. Okay. Love you. Bye. Okay, bye.